Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Welcome back to the Holler. I am Justin Canoe, Holler founder, and it's a wild, obviously a wild day here in the country and in Tennessee, and we're going to try to process all of this. Before we get started, we're at tnholler.com, at the TNHoller on Twitter and Facebook, and we're also all over Tennessee now, thanks to your support. We have hollers in eight of our areas, and we're growing fast, and that's thanks to your small dollar contribution, so if you could chip in, that is always Really, really appreciated. Congressman Cooper, how are you today, sir? Doing fine, Justin. Always good to see you, even by Zoom or by Steam. Yes. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're not hunkered down in your office the way you were yesterday. I guess what I'd love to just do real quick is get a sense of what was it like on the inside when you were realizing that the Capitol was under attack by violent insurrection yesterday? Well, I have to admit, it was pretty scary. You know, we were asked by the police, the remaining police, because they seemed overwhelmed and outnumbered and also sometimes complicit with the protesters. They asked us to uh, not only shelter in place, but barricade the doors, turn off the lights, be as silent as possible so that the people who'd invaded the buildings would not have an easy target. So we locked the doors and did as instructed, but that lasted about seven hours. That's a pretty long time when normally... uh, there's no security problem at all on Capitol Hill. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I appreciate that you even were willing to mention that. I'm in a flash. Obviously, there were guns drawn on the floor. There was people grabbing podiums. You know, there was a Confederate flag marching through the halls. And, you know, you mentioned that at times it even felt like the Capitol Police were complicit. How was it so easy for them to get through, especially since we saw during the Black Lives Matter protest, multiple rings of helmeted soldiers when they didn't do anything really like this. How was it such a soft target with so many important people inside our Capitol? Well, we don't know the answer to those excellent questions yet, but I'm sure there'll be a full investigation. Um, There's several problems. One is, and I've just seen pictures of this. I didn't see it firsthand because I was already sequestered in my office. Um, In some cases, the police almost seem to have breached the barriers themselves and to have invited people into the Capitol, or at least kind of run and show them the way in. Um, People were able to break windows without any consequence, and that just feeds on itself. People break one window, no punishment, they want to break more. Now, we want a friendly approach to protesters. I believe in protest. I love peaceful protest. That's awesome. It's a great American tradition. But when this turned violent, all of a sudden, the police were hard to find. I think it was some three hours before they even got reinforcements. So maybe they were overwhelmed and just told to regroup. And we certainly didn't want needless uh, violence against the protesters. But you have to be able to keep order. And you have to be able to keep the Capitol building itself safe. I liken it to a 
church, like even a criminal knows you don't vandalize a church, you know, or a synagogue or a mosque or anything. But we allowed the uh, temple of democracy to be vandalized. This is just stunning. And it lasted for hours. We were sequestered in our office for like seven hours. We only got the all clear signal at one o'clock in the morning. And that was four hours after the Capitol, the House had resumed session, five hours after the Senate had resumed. So we didn't know who was roaming the hallways, whether they planted more pipe bombs like were already found at the Democratic National Committee or the Republican National Committee. This is totally out of control now. One saving grace is the fact that the protesters themselves seem to be shocked that they got such easy entrance. So they were not prepared. One guy apparently had uh, zip ties. They didn't have paint. They didn't have lighters. They didn't set stuff on fire, but they could so easily have done that. There are reports of sledgehammers and other things like that, but it's uh, this got completely out of control. Yeah, I'm showing clips right now of, you know, there were police opening the gates for them to come on in. This is an image of a video of a, a Capitol Police officer taking selfies with them. You know, it's just such a stark contrast to the reaction to Black Lives Matter protesters. And I think you're right. I think they were surprised that it was this easy. There's no question at all that this was the plan all along, that this was egged on all along. There's images of, you know, people wearing Civil War shirts. You know, they brought these nooses that they use to to uh, to show their feelings about Congress. And these are, you know, people inside. These are known uh, Trump supporters, baked Alaska, neo-Nazis. You know, we now have people like Rep. Terry Lynn Weaver, who's a state rep here, saying that it was Antifa that did it, that the that the rally goers were actually peaceful. What do you think about that kind of misinformation and obvious lying coming from elected officials? Well, first of all, let's blame the person who's most responsible for this, which is the president himself. He incited a mob to riot, which has always been illegal in American history. Fortunately, several of his staffers have started resigning. Now, they should have done it four years ago, but finally, it's even too much for the most diehard Trump supporters. And I was actually proud of our two senators from Tennessee to finally, they changed their attitude on supporting, you know, uh, protesting the count of the Electoral College. But it's a little bit late. But my attitude is if you sow the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And uh, too many elected officials have um, uh, spread these lies. And too many people who believe these lies don't realize that they've been poisoned by them. Uh, we should all be seeking the truth. And I hope that people at every level, uh, whether in government or not, uh, starts paying more attention, at least fact check things. Um, you know, I get calls from adults who really should know better. Uh, I liken it to the alligators in the New York City sewers. They're Nashville school children who believe that, who've never been to New York, never going to go to New York, but somehow they believe they're alligators in the New York City sewers. I know one young person who's even written a song about it. I grew up there, and uh, I can tell you I never actually believed that, but it doesn't surprise me that some do. But that's the sort of mistruth that can be spread, and people, they want to believe it. It's fun to believe it. And that's a form of seduction. And in general, adults should be above that and focus on what's real and what's true. Congressman Cooper, I I just want to push back on you a little bit here because, you know, I feel like this was always the natural progression of what was happening. And the attack on our democracy started when they started calling into question 
the election and the legitimacy of the election. So from where I'm sitting, for Marsha Blackburn and Bill Haggerty to, at this last moment, after the attack, try to wash their hands of it, I, I actually feel like it doesn't, I mean, you know, granted it's the right thing to do in that moment, but they had such a hand in this and we're filling people's heads with the very stuff that you're talking about. Can we really give them any credit for turning it around this late? It feels like they're just sort of saying, you know, it wasn't us, but it really was them. Well, first of all, I not only respect your point of view, (laughs) I love the way you've expressed it. And by the way, you had some of the best riot pictures I've seen anywhere. And I've looked today at the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. Uh, you had some great shots there. Um, I'd use the phrase better late than ever. <laughs> you know, I believe in redemption. Some of the worst sinners in the world have ended up doing some good things. Like the guy who wrote, wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, hell, he was a slave trader. You know, but that song has done more to uplift people probably than any single thing. So finally he saw the light. So hallelujah. Uh, I think we need to have an appreciation like that because whether we like some of these electives or not, one of them is in there for six more years. That's a long time. So uh, it would be great if he improved early on in his term instead of waiting to the end. Well, and I would ask you, you know, you have an inside look at this now. And obviously we saw a lot of that sort of, Harmony, I guess, is the word I would use on the floor with people like, you know, I, I, Lankford, I guess, is one that flipped and a couple of other, even Kelly Leffler, you know, said she couldn't back it. Um, do you think that that is going to be lasting? I think, you know, I have a hard time believing that, you know, that's going to last any longer than January 20th and suddenly everybody's going to have Kumbaya and be working together. Do you think there's going to be real coming together after this, that that's the silver lining here? Or was that for show in the wake of a really horrific day? Well, two points. Uh, One is, um, I don't know if people have read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. There are moments in history when suddenly things change. and You can't ever tell when you're going to find the straw that breaks the camel's back. But sometimes it's just a straw that does it. The second point is this. You point out that some senators um, redeemed themselves or tried to redeem themselves last night. Unfortunately, that did not happen in the House of Representatives. So what we need to do is get some of those senators who found the light to talk to their House Republican colleagues and persuade them. Because they're going to be much more persuasive with a fellow Republican than I would ever be. So... That's an important step. And I think we need to build on what little uh, uh, rays of hope we can find because I would love for the president to be removed the way Ray Blanton was removed as Tennessee governor years ago when he was doing bad stuff and Lamar Tander took office early. We need impeachment, we need 25th amendment, we need the clock to run out because the real danger we face right now is the danger pointed out by every living secretary of defense. And this was actually led by conservative Republicans. People like Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, because they are so scared the president won't just incite a mob to riot that he will order the U.S. military, our wonderful men and women in uniform, will give them illegal orders and expect them to obey them. That is wrong. And this isn't some um, uh, paranoid dream here. As I say, every living former Secretary of Defense signed this letter. They have not presented something like that before in American history. 
But we need to be aware of the extreme danger we're in right now because the president could start a war. He could push the nuclear button. He could order the military to do bad stuff. Because if he's willing to incite a mob just a few blocks from the U.S. Capitol and offer to join them, you know, which was an obvious lie from the start, uh, he's willing to do anything. Absolutely. And, you know, you've been outspoken about that from the beginning. You mentioned your Republican uh, colleagues in the House. Six of the seven still voted to throw out the election. Mark Green, you know, this is not who we are. But again, I, I would offer that it is who they are. And they proved it by voting to throw out the election. Even after the fact, I will point out Rep. Kustoff appears to be the one Republican Tennessee legislator or, or House representative, congressman, I guess I should say, that did not vote to throw out the electors. I don't understand why, because he has been with them on everything up until this point, but I guess we should lift that up. And I think you're right that, you know, giving them credit when they do the right thing is an important thing to do moving forward. And, and so I hope that that will happen. And we've seen also that some of the Republicans knew that this was coming. Rep. Lindsey Graham or Senator Lindsey Graham said, if we nominate Trump, we'll get destroyed and we'll deserve it. On that note, I want to ask you before I let you go drive the long drive home to Tennessee. Uh, do you, what do you think will come of the Republican party moving forward? Will it remain Trump, a Trump party? And, you know, the people who are not in favor of that will have to find another home? Or do you think it's possible for these moderates to take their party back, in which case it's possible that Trump might have to form his own party if he wants to keep up this these shenanigans? Well, I personally hope that Trump is never allowed to run for office again, that we get finally a copy of his tax returns and learn what he's really like, because that's what he cares about, his money and his family, and that's it. He doesn't care about us. He certainly doesn't care about rural Tennesseans. Um, it's going to be a challenging time, but I hope that Republicans will reclaim their party. Uh, many Republicans realized too late that the Republican Party got hijacked. My guy is really not even a Republican. He's a, a pathological narcissist. And uh, it's sad for Americans and sad for the world that this was allowed to happen for four years. So I'm thankful that the victory of Joe Biden will contain the damage. I'm so thankful that the wisdom of the Georgia voters will allow us to have at least an even chance in the U.S. Senate. And we need to remember there that 50 votes, a simple majority, 51 with Vice President Harris, uh, that is not filibuster proof. And the Senate generally runs on that 60 vote rule, not 51 votes. So we've got to keep things in perspective here, be smart. The Republicans took power because they were smart and strategic. The main danger we face right now is the Republican legislature of Tennessee, which has a supermajority, could completely eliminate any Democratic congressional seat in our state. That is within their reach right now, and they could do it overnight. We'd wake up to the bad news. We've really got to be careful about that because we're outnumbered two to nine right now, two Democrats to nine Republicans. Uh, they could make it a zero to 11. So that's the danger. It's not my seat. It's for Middle Tennessee or the Memphis seat. It's for West Tennessee. We've got to keep of the two-party system because it's competition that makes us strong. It would be particularly ironic if one of the birthplaces of the Democratic Party was deprived of any chance of representing national voices. Our main hope in this battle is the fact that the Mark Greens of the world now have R plus 30 districts, and they might find it a little bit troublesome to have an R plus 17 district. 
because they've gotten so used to being able to sleepwalk to victory. It's really made them um, a little bit greedy when it comes to the gerrymandering. So we got to be careful about that because there are many dangers we face. And even with the Biden victory and the Senate victory, uh, remember that the House majority is very slim indeed. It's three or four people can determine the difference. And if history is any guide, the 2022 election is going to be really rough on the Democratic Party. When we had majorities in all three branches of government, you know, under Clinton and Obama, we lost those within two years. Let's not let that happen under Joe Biden. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for the fight that you're putting up there. I, I think, you know, you're right to lift up the Georgia voters and, you know, especially Stacey Abrams and the black voters that came to the rescue. Uh, now it's up to, I won't say you because, you know, you, you've been doing your, you know, you, you're just one of many, but it's up to that group up there to make it count and show them what happens when you do elect Democrats and that they do actually serve the people. So I look forward to seeing what the agenda becomes. I know you'll tell us all about it and hopefully you'll come back and talk to us again because we always appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Thank you, Congressman Cooper. That's Congressman Jim Cooper. Appreciate him coming on here. Uh, he's always very generous with his time. Thank you guys for joining us today. I just want to tell you that I see your comments and, you know, really appreciate you guys doing this as always. Uh, I, you know, I think to me, it's just too little too late for Haggerty and Blackburn for them to come out and say that they now support certifying the election after convincing everybody like our friend here, Brock Wilson, who I see commenting, saying Democrats are cheaters. There's no proof of it. They've lost every court case. You know, you're just swallowing what they're selling you. You know, I see you saying that, you know, Jim Trump took no salary. I mean, it's just a joke that you're giving him credit for that. Every time he played golf, he put money in his pocket. He just raised $300 million, probably in no small part from you who put the money in his pocket for this grift they called Stop the Steal with zero evidence of stealing this election. There's no evidence. So go find us some evidence or pipe down, frankly. And I hope you didn't give him too much of your money because it went right into his pocket. He made hundreds of millions of dollars in this last month off of this grift. And now we've seen it turn into some real ugliness, people calling for civil war, people bringing nooses to the Capitol, breaking into the Capitol. We've seen them carrying Confederate flags. To me, this is the image right here because it really shows what this really is. The Confederate flag, the Confederate army became these trolls online. The civil war never quite ended, and now we're seeing it manifest itself and getting behind not only Trump, but also a lot of the legislators that we see here in Tennessee. The bust of a KKK grand wizard still sits in our state capitol here in Tennessee to this day, and these things are related. So many of our Tennessee legislators probably support what happened yesterday. We've seen now Terry Lynn Weaver, who I mentioned earlier, saying that it's Antifa, that everybody was peaceful until then. That's bullshit. That's not true. She was there. I think Susan Lynn might have been there with her, maybe not. Uh, but the bottom line is there's a lot of support for what happened from these elected officials that still are elected officials to this day. And even though a few of them had a bit of a, a moment yesterday where they decided to do the right thing at the end, they started this. They fueled it with their misinformation. They fueled it with... People like Brock, who are telling me I suck right now, filling his head with the things that 
are causing people to attack our democracy. And Brock, you know, I'm happy to have a conversation with you sometime about why the things that you're saying are not true, why Donald Trump is a narcissist who doesn't care about you. He wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, man. I promise you, he doesn't care about you. He's not fighting for you. He wants power and he's willing to burn down our country to keep it. And we now saw that yesterday with something that was always the natural progression of what he had been doing this entire time. And anybody who had been really paying attention understands that this was no surprise, that this was always coming. And I know you don't care. I know you probably still think it was the right thing to do. And that's just sad because even though I support some Democratic people or, or politicians, I never would expect people to violate our capital the way they did yesterday, especially without any evidence of anything. And it was good to hear Congressman Cooper be willing to point the finger at Capitol Police yesterday because this is how it looked outside of our state capitol when black people were protesting police brutality. This is how it looked outside of our Washington capitol when black people were protesting police brutality. And yet yesterday, a bunch of white people angry that they lost because they did lose, throwing a tantrum, were able to push their way into the house and literally be sitting in the seat on the dais inside our congressman's offices, violating the Capitol in a way that we haven't seen in hundreds of years. So it was a sad day for America, a really ugly day for America. And, you know, Brock, we do know who stormed the Capitol. You're wrong about that. We see their pictures. These people were not wearing masks because they don't believe in science. Protest was not peaceful. You're wrong about that. So pretty much everything you've said here, you're wrong about. And we'll be blocking you after this because you've been cursing at us and saying ugly stuff. So I just want you to leave knowing that you are wrong and I'm happy to have a conversation with you in a peaceful way, but not like this. Adios, Brock. Thank you for joining us. We will be back for the holler hour at 2 p.m. And uh, we'll be talking to all of you, but Brock, have a good day.